This podcast is brought to you by PencilPay. Take your wholesale credit applications online, collect a billing method, and control when you get paid. Welcome to Product Hub. I'm your host, Tim Dimitriou. Today's guest is Dion Dionisimu. Dion and his family distribute natural fresh juices and Nippy's milk drinks all over Australia. Now, I've been a massive fan of Nippy's since my early teens, and the straws that they had were a thing of genius. This one is a ripper chat. Dion's been a customer of Pencil Pay for a couple of years now, and we talk about everything from business models, variable and fixed cost distribution, and a heap of other topics, which really form the you know, commercial genetics of a good product business. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> That's actually my job. <laughs> um, guys, welcome to Product Hub. We've got Dion from Natural Fresh Juices here today. Um, Dion has been um, a pencil pay customer for probably a couple of years now. Um, fantastic guy, family business, and we're uh, we're very lucky to have him on board. Welcome, welcome, Dion. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Now, I was going to introduce Dion by his full name, but I couldn't actually say his last name properly <laughs> yeah. because it's a uh, it's a it's a doozy. So, yeah. do you mind um, saying out loud your your last name? Do you want to spell it or say it? Say it. <laughs> yeah. Say it'd be great. All right. Uh, Dion is seal. <laughs> there you go. So Dion's a seal. Yeah, is the, that's it. Um, or is dinosaur. The, is the, <laughs> so that's the, that's the operative term. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad that we've gotten that out yeah, of the way. Um, Dion, welcome, mate. Um, uh, I'd love for you to just give us a bit of an idea of um, where the business came from. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys have a, have a really interesting long family story. So yeah. I'd love to understand um, that. But if we could start with you... Um, after school, so um, you're at school, you finish up with school. Yeah. What do you do after school? Like, who are you at university? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting story. So, I mean, <laughs> at the end of year 12, I, I'll probably relate to everybody. Um, didn't know what... You're probably what, related to everybody. Oh, no, not really. <laughs> I'm Greek. I am related to everybody. But it, 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 to relate to everybody in the sense that you probably get to the end of year 12, you don't quite know what to do. And whether that's, you know, the entrepreneurial side of me and oh, I want to do everything, but then do nothing. So I jumped into whatever was kind of most at home to me and that was a bit of business. Yep. So got got straight into that. Um, majored in commerce, uh, marketing, uh, completed that degree, did a few undergrad jobs, found my feet and then worked out I hated marketing. So um, <laughs> what do you think of the... Um what do you think of the university system? So you you go into a yeah. probably a three or four or five year degree. Yeah, I did a five year degree and learnt yeah. next to nothing. Yeah, what's your feeling from from your experience? Oh, I think it creates structure. That's it. Gives you a bit of focus in terms of finding what you want to do. I think university is there to unless you're going to become a doctor or an accountant, real specific in terms of your end result. Um, uni for me was always structure. It's like all right, let's let's keep the brain ticking. Mm-hmm. Don't let it die. And and let's work out where we're going in life. Oh yeah, I yeah. tend to, I tend to agree with that. I think yeah. the the core of uni is for you to be able to wake up every day yeah. um, in your late teens and early twenties when the, you're basically still a teenager the yeah. whole time. Yeah. So that structure, as well as being able to um, stick to deadlines, yeah. submit stuff. That's it. You don't get the you don't get all the benefit that you used to get at high school where no. you, you know, where you, you're kind of given a bit of an armchair ride. It's yeah. um, like that kind of disappears. Yeah, that's, that's, that's completely gone. I felt that pretty hard straight away when we went to uni. But um, I, I guess probably the best thing I did get out of uni, that was um, to get a, a graduate job before I actually finished. And that's probably what really, really settled me to understand, yeah, I don't like marketing, which mm-hmm. was... 
I was close to the end of my degree at that point, but I found what I loved and that was selling. So um, I, I got put into a marketing role. The, the, the boss at the time could clearly see that I wasn't a marketing person. It was all too airy-fairy, head-in-the-sky sort of stuff. Um, I was more data-driven behind, you know, let's make some cool business decisions and make this thing pump so yeah, you, yeah. it's yeah it seems like you you live in reality as opposed yeah. to living in the living in the clouds kind yeah of thing. yeah that's it yeah i always look i think um I, I i never used to think that marketing was um as important as sales in a business yeah it's a little bit different now yeah. from because of if you're in b2b software mm. the marketing side of things because you can't force a product down someone's throat no. you need to be there for when for when they need you yeah. so i've learned that marketing is important but nothing will ever compare to the fact that you need to influence people which is selling yeah that's it that's it and that, that's the way that's why my brain is always ticked i'm not i'm not an entrepreneurial person i like to think i am <laughs> um but I'm, re- I'm really geared behind driving a business that's uh you give me all the tools and i'll make sure that a business runs the way it needs to run and we'll, we'll make it pump so. so so you finish up with university and yep. you get a graduate job yeah you're off there and you don't like marketing obviously yeah. but you love selling <laughs> yeah did you do you stick with where you are and go into a sales role or do you do you go and do something else yeah so i as much as i said just said then like uni was only part of my life it gives you structure the graduate job actually threw me straight back in to go and do my master's so <laughs> so yeah, i went and i went and picked what i wanted to do and that that was you know a bit of uh, business and accounting so something that was actually going to give me value so i, I spent about two and a half three years there they, they you know these guys helped me travel the world i saw india i saw the uk i yep. saw italy and all these places to be able to say um, and talk to business people I wouldn't otherwise get to speak to. So that, that again, opened up the, the world um, to me and just basically gave me experience. Um, and, and that's what pretty much brought me back home. So I, I, I gathered a wealth of knowledge on someone else's time yeah. and I brought it back to the family business. Yeah, so yeah. Having, that, um, having the structure of understanding yeah. accounting principles yeah. and also understanding um, what's required when you're running a company yeah. is also super important. Yeah. I think, you know, risk, you have to take risk and risk is just inherent in owning a business. Mm. But understanding what's calculated risk and where you have to stay on the, um, I guess, on the cautionary side is, is pretty pretty helpful. Yeah, exactly. So um, so after you, uh, after you get back, um, do you join the family business straight away? Do you mm. take a bit of a break? No, nah, I, I jumped straight back into it. There was a, there was a period of time where... Um, I wouldn't say bad things or not so good things. It's just, you know, with any business, you you can ride the highs as long as the highs are there, but there's always going to be bad times and you've got to kind of get through and push through shit for a lack of a better word. Yep. And, and that's when that, that was kind of my calling card to get back into the family business. And um, what year was that? Uh, we're talking a good uh, six or seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. So um, it, was, it was kind of like a... A real tipping point. It was like we're going one way or we're going the other, and we really defined who we were as a business, um, not just as a, a distributor or and representing the brand Nippies, but uh, what, what foundations are we going to lay for the future? Because yeah, a little yeah. bit of succession planning, right? Yeah, that's I mean, it. you've you obviously you're, you're um I think your 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 dad started the business. Yeah, correct. So up almost thirty years ago now, um, as old as I am, yep. my dad started this business. We came from SA to Victoria. Um, just through opportunity. Uh, my dad's uh, got a cocktail of um, trades 
in his pocket. So mm-hmm. he, he was anything from a tip truck driver to a hairdresser to a fashion retailer and everything. So opportunist <laughs> to the max, a mate. T- <laughs> a, tip truck, a tip truck driver <laughs> to a hairdresser. Yeah, and I try to go figure That's, and a mechanic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he still and he la- and he happened to land on the on the big one, which was the, uh, you know the business that we're in now. Yeah. Um, with the great Nippy's family, so you know. It, Probably goes back to speak, just opportunity. You always found it and that's what I was at the same time. And yep. uh, the opportunity came. I came back into the business. I was all, I was born into it, let's just say that. I'm, yep. not, I'm not I'm not someone that uh, tries to parade the fact that I started this or I mm-hmm. built this whole thing. Um, yeah, it's a family it's, it's a, family a family thing. Yeah. And then, you know, usually with family businesses, yeah. business that they're, you know, someone can have their own legacy yeah. that they can um, put their you know, they can put their stamp on the business. Yeah. You, your dad and, and, and that will probably get it to a point. Yeah. But it does take someone different to take it to the next level. Yeah, yeah. And I think at the time when you look at when you actually look back six years ago, I mean, technology, the evolution of it is tracking so fast now. You know, you talk doubles every couple of years. At that time, we, we almost fell a little bit behind. So mm-hmm. it was a real kind of a kick in the backside to, to get a few things done. Um, work with some great people like the Blue Rock guys, um, get all the technology and efficiencies in the business to go, okay, we're, we're a business we know. We're not going to be a massive business in terms of numbers and human resource. We want to be a tight-knit family business and get people doing multiple different things. And the only way you can do that is with great efficiencies, great mm. technology. Um, and it's, so, yeah. so when you got back... What, what were you doing technology-wise? So prior to you going and yep. actually seeking out some help and yep. implementing something new, which yep. you've obviously got got today, yep. um, you know, Dion and De- Dion and his business, they've got a really, they've got a really great tech stack. They use um, Zero, Deer Systems, obviously Pencil Pay because yep. we're great. Best. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, no doubt a couple of other ones attached, but they've built a really good tech stack that's helped their business. They've got a large scale of customers. How many yeah. wholesale customers have you got? Uh, well, the last time I looked at it, uh, thousands, right? Yeah, we're, we're, we're talking up end of 3,000 now, like top end of 3,000. <laughs> so you got yeah. 3,000 wholesale customers. Yeah. You would want some pretty good systems. Yeah. Um, obviously, you were still at scale six years ago, though. Um, yeah. What were you guys doing for, for ordering and accounting and everything prior? Uh, yeah, so it was just a lot of uh, basic systems, the great. Uh, Excel. Excel, yeah, and Excel did everything Excel's great then. Though. Excel also makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> it doesn't save cells so so it's well. Not, so it's not user error. <laughs> no, no, no. Look, I mean, if you if you actually looked at the Excel's that uh, Dad was running the business on at the time, you go, "This is great. This is amazing." Yeah. And then you you talk to Blue Rock and the, all these guys, and they introduce you know Deer Inventory and show yeah. you all the you know you, you can run a business, but you also need the data to evolutionize the business Correct, as well so, yeah. and, th- and that's what these these tools did for us we we, we invested heavily in them yep um, it was a lot of pain a lot of hard work for a good 12 months it's hard to get people to adopt it is yes yeah. yeah especially old school method um, businessmen so, yeah so I mean if you've got you would have had your guys in the um, you know so people in the warehouse and that type of yeah, thing yeah. That, that are packing stock you've got 3,000 customers ordering because yeah. you know your product you're, you're dealing with you're dealing with fresh Ju- fresh, fresh juice, fresh juice, fresh yeah. juice and, 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 so, and, yeah. and, and milk-based products. Yeah. Everything's perishable. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> have so your warehouse, people are constantly ordering. Yep. You've got 3,000 customers that are ordering and ordering and ordering. Yep. So you've got your operations as much of a logistical operation as anything else, right? Uh, at the back end of the business, when you really strip it down to its bare basics, we are a logistics company. Yeah. Um, 
and we, we kind of stack the approach of, okay, the, the base is the logistics and then we sell and distribute. Yeah. So, and yeah. we're, we're really lucky to do that with a great brand in Nippies. So yep. I think we're a bit fortunate in that sense. Um, we, you know, where a great product comes, it's always a lot easier to sell, but yep. it doesn't happen on its own. You, you still got to have a great team behind it and the great efficiencies and tools and systems to be able to push it. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. Let's talk about yeah. so because... Um, I want to get back to talking about the yeah. fact that, you know, you guys are, you know, I guess in essence, a logistics business and you put product on top of that. I do mm. want to talk about that, but I really want to, I really want to learn about the story about um, how you, how you guys got involved with um, Nippies because yeah. it's a product that I've, I've been consuming that product, yeah. I reckon for 25 odd years. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, you know, I always remember the straws, the, you know, yeah. the straws that you would pull out, yeah. um, for those that are going to be listening to this, the Nippies is um, Nippies is um, uh, f- flavored milk basically, yeah. and they used to have these really cool straws yeah. that would um, almost uh, double back on themselves. So the straw, the bottom of the straw, would pull out, yeah. so you could get a little, little bit of extra length. Yeah. And I thought it was when I was a kid growing up. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. Tech innovation. It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was a um, oh. you know true product engineering. Yeah. Um, there's more industri- industrial <laughs> design. Yeah, that's it. Peak. So um, so 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 yeah. I guess um, if you could tell us a story about how your old man got involved in that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so look, it's probably, might be a bit cheesy, but it's a proper proper family story. I mean. Um, Myself, I was born in Adelaide. Uh, my mum. Uh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry about it as well. <laughs> I'm trying to forget about it. Um, so yeah, look, my mum and my dad obviously met in SA. My dad being a Vic boy, my mum being an SA girl. So um, just came look, like I said, mate, opportunity, and just it was the bare basics of going. Hey, this is a good product. I don't know anywhere in Melbourne that has it. No one else in Melbourne has it. No one else in any other state has it, let alone Melbourne. So just came to that. So okay, let, let's take this bad boy and go go elsewhere with it. And how did so how did you find out about how did you find out about the product? Yeah, so um, the nippies is everywhere in SA. It's a, it's a staple. Yep. It's it's more staple than bread and milk. So SA really has a lot of those um, a lot of those household brands that are that have remained yeah. remained the kind of family led brands like yeah. you know what are the, what's that like is is Cooper's Cooper's from uh, SA? Cooper, yeah the beer the yeah. farmers union boys yeah, and all those yeah, guys yeah. like that so it's a it's a real support your home home produced product state yeah so, yeah yeah, um, yeah for sure so we get that like it's always going to be the dominant state when you look at the stats and the numbers of the wholesales nationally um for the number of people that it's got but it's it's really driven behind supporting your local business yeah there's a and there's there's i think there's there's another soft drink brand or something that's really massive in sa that um one of our other customers who's a coffee distributor he just bought he just bought the brand right and he's going to start to um start to produce it again and and distribute it yeah Um, so yeah yeah no it, it is a good state i think uh you it's also a state that um statistically has always shown it's like it's always led the first to market stats. Yeah, okay. So it's a trial state as well. So anytime you look at international brands, they'll always trial oh, an stop, SA. They actually started SA. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, it's, isn't it? It's a small enough market to kind of run some good numbers on and go, hey, this is this is working. Let's trend it out. Ah, uh, so I, maybe they look at it and it's a, they look at it as an environment where they can maybe make a couple of mistakes in yes. um, without yeah. without ruining the their chances cost. in your yeah. Vic and your... And New South Wales, That's right? Know? Yeah, because at the end of the day, everything comes down to population and numbers, and that you know, half the pop or three quarters of the population in the country live on the east coast. So let's yep. trial it somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so 
you, you, your old man sees yep. the product, has the product, consumes yep. the product, thinks that's great. Yep. What's the next step? Next step is uh, have a chat with the Nispel family. Um, great people. They, uh, at the time, um, you know, heavily based, like the, the, the business was geared towards juice because it's a fresh juice business, a citrus family, traditional farming values um, in the Riverland. And it, it basically came down to saying, hey, guys, give me a shot. I want to take this great brand and I want to take it into Melbourne and, and, and let's see what it's got. And it had legs. So uh, Dad packed up the family literally um, in a week, I would say, in a week. Wow. One truck um, at the time with a business partner as well and pretty much moved us over in, in a week. And one truck's turned into ooh, about 15 now on the road in Melbourne. Um, and then another six or seven in, in New South Wales. Yeah, and wow. then a great distribution network where we've utilised uh, not just our own transport, but, you know, 3PLs, um, yep. great partnerships with um, wholesalers and other distributors that, you know, have those contracts with, with accounts that we're never going to get. So. so the guys in SA do the manufacturing production yep. and distribution in SA. Yes, they and do. And then they do the manufacturing and production for for the other states, but you guys look after all the distribution in the other states. Yes, correct. Cool, correct, correct. cool. So, awesome. Yeah, the, 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 the main fact there is that they're an excellent manufacturer and they they control SA to a, like, oh, it's unbelievable what they run over there. It's a, yep. you know, I, I still think it's about 30 trucks on the road. Okay, for wow. a state of that population is mm-hmm. amazing. So, um, yeah, it's an excellent business. We replicated the business model to Great. a degree, brought it here, and then uh, went again. That, yeah. So, scaling up the sales yep. aspect of a business is hard, yep. and it's expensive, mm. and it's labor-intensive. Yep. How do you get from zero to 3,000 customers? Uh with great difficulty. It's 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 hard. It's hard. Yeah, it is. It's hard finding customers and yeah. it's hard servicing them, making sure they're happy. Yeah. Especially in your game, you've got you deal with, you know, your um your customers are, you know, local independent um independent supermarkets yeah. and convenience and all that yeah, type of thing. Yeah, can yeah, you can, route, can, route can you can you run through your kind of customer type? Yeah, yeah. So, um it's probably good to just give you a strip it back a little bit further mm. and like help you understand the the evolution of the business in how do we get to 3,000 customers yeah. and how do we do it with in the most cost-effective way without forking out millions and millions of dollars on, you know, heavy assets like trucks and staff and all these sorts of things. So Yeah, that'd be really good. The yeah. um, the people that receive this podcast and watch yeah. this podcast, a lot of them are FMCG businesses. Yeah. So understanding the way to scale is probably their most important thing. So it'd be really great if you go into detail. Yeah, yeah. So um, back in the day when, when dad first started it, you know, it's a, at the time it was just a a humble dad just trying to put food on the table for his family. So there was there was no money. There was not, you know, a couple million bucks in the kitty to go, let's let's go get 10 trucks and hopefully sell some stuff. And if it doesn't sell, we'll sell the truck sort of thing. It was, mm. let's start with one truck, let's build some runs. And then um, it's still known today, but the vendoring business or contractors, uh, what you'll see in the in the logistics game now, we, we utilize that sort of business model. So we would bring in, um, a contractor or a vendor, um, contract them to us solely to only distribute and sell nippies. Mm-hmm. So they would wear the brand, the truck will be branded nippies, um, but they'd run their own business. So their truck was like a mini warehouse. Is that similar to the kind of milk run it's kind very, of idea? It, it's, 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 like a, it's that. It's yeah, pretty much that. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. like a, 
I remember dealing with, um, you know, when I used to own a, a, a hospitality business, dealing with um, businesses like ProCal and that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've Very got a bunch of, bunch of vans on the road and, yep. and the guy um, grabs the product and yep. he goes and distributes it, and, yep. but also sells it sometimes. Sells it as well. So you'd have like company runs where it would be the company's account and you'd, they'd get a delivery fee for it. Yep. But the majority of the customers were essentially theirs when you talk about legalities of who's invoicing the customer. It, yep. was, it was there. So that was a really great So method. it's up to them to chase the customer and all that type yeah, of thing? Yeah. Okay, cool. And, and that works. Like that, that's very yeah. low cost because we, you can get 10 trucks on the road very, very quickly at no cost. Yeah, for other sure. Than the product. Yeah, it's yeah. a um, it's a, a purely variable cost uh, distribution method. Yeah, that's it's it. brilliant, and it and it's a great incentive as well. Like the the, it's basically saying, hey guys, you got this great product, go sell it. The more you sell, the more the harder you work, the more money you're going to make. How do you structure that? So yeah. it's interesting. You um you, you obviously want to encourage them to sell as much as they can. Yeah. Um, they buy more, they get it cheaper, or they make a make the, or they you guys give them bonuses. How does that work? Um, no, it was a it was a fairly straightforward sort of transactional. Oh no, sorry, it's not a transactional relationship. It's transactional in the basic sense of it, but it's it's more. They were as much of as much as part of our family as yeah. you know anybody else that was blood related. It was more like you know. Help us and we'll help you. Yeah, sort so of thing. you guys do all the things to help them be successful. Yeah, like yeah. anything to help put, them be we successful. Put, so we put reps on the road. We yep. gear sales towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, Dad was building all the runs and then selling them off, so that you know they yeah, would, cool. there's a fee for that run. You know they take over a pool of eighty customers. Yeah, they get to walk in straight into a business, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, and then there's that exclusivity of hey, nobody else has nippies other than you know certain wholesalers that we've got agreements with. Um, and then they could go from there. Like the world is basically their oyster if it comes to, I've only got nippies, I can sell as much as I want and I've got no competition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the harder I work, the more I make. It's the, um, it's the, it's it's a, it's truly a business like that, isn't it? It is, it is. And it's, it's a layered, it's a layered approach. It's, we've got the base here um, in terms of nippies supplying us as the distributor to then on forward that product into what you would probably look at as just a sales team driving trucks. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sales and customer service. Yeah, yeah. So so your sales and customer service is a variable cost. Yep. And your obviously your your stock is a is a cost that is controlled. Um, yep. It's a very controlled cost because someone yeah. else is manufacturing. That's it. it. That's, That's it. That's great. It's yeah. a really really so good way to scale it, out a business. It was. It was. So that 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 obviously like anything and any strategy and any model that you run that you you can run that to a certain point. Um, and that certain point probably started to hit home maybe five or six years ago um, when we started to look at, okay, these guys are maxing out now. Just after you joined, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the, okay. the, the, the drivers, that, you know, there's only so much you can do. You can only, how much can you drive a truck, invoice the customer, chase money, um, yeah, sell. I mean, yeah, I mean, people get burnt out. They do. They, yeah. they want to go do something else. Yeah. There's a... Yeah, there has to be behind that. There has to be an insurance policy. Almost. There does. There, yeah. there does. There does. And we, you know, we, we've got certain things to look after all these guys in place. But um, you, you know, you you hit the wall of okay, we can't actually get more customers now mm. because they, they can't sell anymore and they can't deliver anymore. So then you 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 literally run into a logistical 
or a logistic issue. Is yeah. it the fact that the customers aren't out there or is it the fact that they are no, not... Uh, the, they're limited with the... So you you have to get more drivers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's always customers out there. Yeah. There's always, like, oh, I, I don't absolutely. believe in the... I don't believe yeah, in the notion yeah. that there's no yeah. customer. It's just yeah. how hard do you want to fight for them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't exist. That, no, right? no, it it's, doesn't. A, it's a hopeless concept. It is. It yeah. is. So um, it, it became a thing like you, you, you hit the wall. That, that's yep. all it is. There, you... You, the investment that you've put into the business is only going to go as far as you can push it. Mm-hmm. And then once you get there, you've got to kind of pivot and say, hey, we're, we've probably realized that this model has worked and got us to here. Now we've got to pivot to go back to that sort of company driver um, model where we own the trucks. Yep. We own the drivers. We own the runs. You own the sales. You yep. own the distribution. Yep. That's you, it. You're the master of your own destiny. That, that's it. And that and that's been a, not not a slow transition because um, it's not working. But we've strategically started to transition the business back that way. Yep. I think we were very 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 lucky not to have completely transitioned the business back that way through COVID. Um, we would have had ourselves a lot of uh, um, salaries to pay. A lot, a lot of fixed of costs. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and I, I would say to a degree that's what got us through COVID outside the fact that we did grow. It, if, if we weren't to grow and the customers all did shut shop and, you know, those stage four lockdowns lasted mm. into what we are now, I think that would have had an effect. Uh, yeah. did, did your retail supermarket um, side of the business scale up over that period yeah, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say because yeah. that's a... You know, we, we, we deal with a lot of, yeah. we actually deal with so many beverage companies yeah, like, yeah. and they're both alcoholic and non-alcoholic yeah. beverage companies. Their retail businesses just went ballistic yeah. um, over that period, yeah. but they're um, dealing with venues and that type of thing. Yeah, that's where they, yeah. that's where they lost. Yeah. But, um, but the, yeah, the retail supermarket side of the yeah. business was nuts. Re- retail went mental. Like it was, it, it went that crazy that all the business that we had lost in terms of your general route business and mm-hmm. um, off location sites where you kind of just supplying them because they've got a fridge. Yep. Um, they're not really a dealer or selling yep. know, a milk bar or anything like that. It, but we could, we, we lost 30% of business overnight with COVID just shutting down our customers, but the uplift was probably 40 to 50% in retail. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, and I was looking at some metrics yeah. the other day, like literally yesterday, and it just showed that the, the, baskets, uh, the basket spend um, per shopper had gone up about 15% through COVID, and whether that was through trying to get less shops done, so shopping all at once because of all the panic buying mm-hmm. or whether that was um, a bit of fear in losing exclusivity in lines that were falling off the shelf too quickly. So, yeah, just went through the roof. Yeah, yeah we were talking about that beforehand, yeah. like understanding what the basket size is and yeah. that type of thing. Your business is, because you've got a lot of variable costs in your business. Mm. It gives you the ability to take a step back, yep. have a look at the business and say, where, where are we making money? Yeah. Where should we put more of our efforts into? Yeah. And, um, and, and, and what are the trends that we see upcoming to mm. kind of de-risk ourselves? Yeah. You were talking before about understanding um, and getting feedback from the various independent supermarkets like the IGAs and food works that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You receive that feedback through a number of different mechanisms and mm. understanding that basket size. Can you talk to me about how you go about that, how you get the feedback and how you understand and get the intel about what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, I think a lot of it, I, I'm, a, I'm basic in how I look at data. I kind of strip it down to a degree and then I kind of analyze it to not waste too much time of my time. Um, I, 
it comes down to, okay, what were they spending before? What are they spending now? And how many units per week that we're moving through mm-hmm. a store? And that will kind of give you a general analysis of how much people are shopping now. So um, we're, we're probably lucky in the sense that we've got a, a line that's um, fresh. So it's not something that people can buy or shoppers can buy um, a heap of and store it on site. So we could kind of get a trend of, all right, we're going back to these places regularly. Mm. Uh, our product's only got 30 to 40 day shelf life on here. Um, and the increased amount that we're going back is probably doubled or tripled over a two week period. I really like that aspect of your business that it almost makes it easier to serve the customer yeah. and retain the customer yeah. because you because you're seeing them so often, yes. you kind of get an indication of if there's any issues yeah. and you kind of got that touch and feel that yeah. you don't have with a lot of, no. you know, a lot of the products that have got long shelf life. Yeah. They can order and they can order once a month or whatever it is. You just can't order your product that that that, that rarely, right? No, 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 yeah. no, no. There, there, there's, um, there's an aspect of uh, us obviously not manufacturing in Victoria. Everything's done in SA. So there's always a time delay in terms of getting fresh product, fresh product over to Victoria. Um, and then when you look at the long life part of the business or the ambient part of the business, it's it's always readily available, but moving through the shelf at a higher rate than we've ever felt before, especially through COVID. And mm. um, I don't want to talk too much about COVID, but through that period, it, it showed an economic growth that was bucking the trend of what we were hearing in the news of, oh, nobody's got no money. The cost is going higher. Mate, the news. I think, yeah. I think, I think all of us have realized yeah. that again, we, we don't really want to talk about COVID, but nah, nah. <laughs> all of us have realized that the news doesn't matter where you get it from. It's all full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's all, yeah, it's, it's actually disgraceful what uh, journalists have become and, yes. and, and don't get me started on it, but, yeah. um, Hopefully, people are starting to realise that you yeah. can't, you just can't follow it. No, no, we're we're probably in the most educated time of our like history in certain ways. Yeah, in certain ways, we're we're probably more stupid in certain ways, yeah. but we're in terms of um, information just being so readily available. We're probably in the smartest and most accessible time ever. So, uh, uh, Tommy and I were talking. The yeah. other, Tommy, <laughs> so Tommy and I were talking the other day, yeah. and he was telling me about um, he was telling me about his his girlfriend and a couple of her friends. Yeah. And he, he's in, he's in front. I of, know it's a good story he, already. He's, <laughs> he's in front of us now. He's absolutely pissing himself. So Tommy said um, he said he said I think we're I think we're talking about geography and, and understanding where things are and all the rest of it and. Um, Tommy, how how old you how old your girlfriend? Uh, twenty three. And her yeah. friends are the same age. Yeah, twenty one to twenty three. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. So, Tommy likes to date young girls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do it. So, <laughs> so, um, so they're having a conversation, and I think they were having a discussion about the war in the war in um, over in Ukraine yeah. and all the rest of it. And interestingly enough, they thought um, they for some reason thought that Russia was in the US. So, and when we spoke about it, yeah. he gave me another, a bunch of other scenarios and examples of where this type of thing ha- has happened, yeah, where yeah. people just have no understanding of the world around them. No. Now, he could be hanging out with absolute retards yeah. or he could be onto something. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think that he could, I think that I he's think onto, something. onto something. Here. There's a lot of people yeah. that have very little idea about what's going on around them, number one, or yeah. what happens over there yeah it's all it's almost probably more there's too much information to consume so i'm not going to take in any of it at all that's mm. that's what it is yeah. yeah the yeah the information that's out there is yeah. so 
is yeah, so plentiful that yeah. that the the standard things that society drove to be taught to people yeah, yeah. has stopped being taught to people. That's it. Being that's taught it. And yeah. now now the focus is yeah. whatever you want it to be. Wake up, live, and wake hope up for and, the best. And, <laughs> and watch YouTube and, and that, TikTok that's all and Instagram. People, yeah, t- get somebody else to tell me what what the world's about. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It just shows you the power they've got. The yeah. um the um new media. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Uh, uh, what, were what were we talking about? So, I think we were on the lines of ah, uh, uh, how, how did we get to the bit like to the model that we are today? Yeah, in terms yeah, yeah, of, like, yeah. The scalability. So, uh, yeah, so that COVID time hit, and then we got through it. We, you know, fast forward to today, and you know, more reps on the road, working with greater partnership um, wholesalers and distributors in yep. the market to to build strong distribution points and more consistent ones not we're not interested in the business where you buy it today and forget it tomorrow mm-hmm. it's we're, we're here for those return businesses and you know we um at all i think outside of the the direct business that we have with the retailers and the route trade and all that uh i could speak to for all of our customer base um it's been long-term business and that's that's been key for us it's we didn't start yesterday with them. We started with them from the very beginning and we've come on a journey together and that's mm-hmm. carried us through. It's carried us all through the tough times. So, yeah. The um, I've always thought with the distribution type of business, Yeah. I always thought to myself, do you think about putting, do you always think look for other products that you can put into the run? Or yeah. is it the kind of thing where you just go, all right, these are, this is what we're doing. This is yeah. what our customers know us for and love us for. Yeah. Do we just focus on that or? Yeah, yeah. So we... um. We we've talked about this many times. It's it's probably easier said than done. Uh, that's what I that's yeah. what I thought. Like yeah. I thought it's an it's it makes a lot of sense commercially because you've got X amount of people out in the road. Um, those X amount of people net you Y dollars per week. Yeah, and then but if you can change that, you know, we'll call it a basket size because yeah. it's really the distributors that you've got under you yeah. are the ones shopping at your place. Yeah. If you can yeah. increase that, but then you think about it, there's got to be reasons why people don't just all do it. Oh, yeah, it, exactly right. I mean, we, we, we've always looked at the numbers and we're like, oh, you know, we can transition into a wholesaler mentality and carry 15,000 different lines, <laughs> um, put our costs through the roof for a bigger warehouse, um, higher risk in stock not moving and going out of date and all these sorts of things. And, you know, the, the, the reward would probably be there but the ability to concentrate and give the value to nippies won't anymore because we'll be significant risk as well yeah, significant yeah. risk especially if you're dealing with stuff that does have a shelf life it, yeah exactly exactly and we we, we, we specialized in the chilled game it's it's, yep. it's a hard game oh um, yeah not the, everybody um, likes to get into it uh that's another know. reason why the variable cost infrastructure model is good because yeah. those they're just it's ridiculous oh. the uh, the upkeep of a chilled yeah, yeah. A the, chilled the, fan the basics of electricity can dictate whether we're making profit or not um, <laughs> so, <laughs> well. you know when you've got cool rooms that are costing you you know in electricity fifteen thousand dollars a month just yeah to wow run, that's the uh, let alone all the trucks with their motors that are on it and all that sort of stuff yeah it's, like like you don't think about it if, no. if, if electricity each month cost you five thousand twelve months ago and now it's fifteen thousand yeah there's your margin there's you know? your margin gone yeah, yeah okay. and where do you recoup that your customers so exactly yeah as much as you don't want to say that's that's the only place you can get it so we um yeah we we we, we know where we're going where we are now and the transitions that we still have to make to be able to sustain what we're doing yeah um we are we're traveling pretty fast at the moment yeah um in terms of scaling up or in terms of scaling up yeah, um, we're getting some really good you know it's probably the base that's been built over the number of the years yep. is now starting to come 
together. Uh, what type of business? So you're still going after the same type of businesses as customers, um, or or has has that opened up? That's that's it's not really changed because the same business is still there. It's yep. always there. The the even to the to what's being phased out now, but to your bare basic milk bars, the business is still there. It's just about how you trade up every year. Mm-hmm. It's like you know you don't swap one customer out for the other. It's about okay if we if we lose one, let's go and get three. Yeah, and it, you know you're always losing while you're gaining, and we, we've. We've just become better at not losing as much. Why do you lose customers? Oh, I think loyalty goes out the window sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so is it a price-driven thing? Price-driven. Yeah, we're in a game of um, a lot of cowboys and Indians out there, and you know, get the get, you can source product from anywhere these days. You can buy it online. And, it's all. It's uh, yeah. Uh, your game is a sorry. Your game. Your customers' game is yeah. a full. It's just a margin game. Everything's a margin it game. It is. It is down to the cent sometimes, yep. and and that that's the sort of business. Um, we, we don't say no to, but you, you kind of lose interest in dealing with sometimes. It, yeah. when, when you're haggling for a cent yeah. on a unit, it's like, come on, mate. Yeah, if, you're, if you have to constantly battle your customers, yeah. that's the last thing you want to do. You, you want your customers to be bought in and they're happy to pay because yeah. they know they're getting the value. That's it, yeah. And we, and we know the value of our brand. We know the value of our product. We know that we're not going to sell below what we believe the product should sell for because for sure. then you, you run into bastardization and that that's that's an, that's a whole other um, level of difficulty to try and get yourself out of mm-hmm. um, once once a product becomes bastardized you've got no control over your price anymore you've got no control over your distribution you don't know where it's going you don't know where it's coming from um, you, you, you have people supplying your customers and you supply them and it's as, yeah. and as soon as you get that yeah at the end of the day, what you get is shortages you because do. because the incentive disappears, yes. and when incentive disappears, you get shortages. Yes, Simple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same with um, you know, if the government if the government goes and decides one day they're going to put caps on fuel yeah. fuel prices, right? Yeah, yeah. Which uh, some of them have talked about doing. If you understand anything about economics, once there's price caps, you get shortages. Yeah, incentive disappears, you get shortages. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. the the Why reality. Why when I can't make the money I want to make and. Um, why would I buy at that price when I don't have to anymore? Especially yeah. when the reason why they would put caps on is because shit's getting expensive. Yes. And when shit gets expensive, the yeah. price needs to increase. If the yeah. price can't increase, people stop producing. That, that's it. That's it. And I kind of, um, not to, and I'm not talking bad about the chains in any way with regards to Coles and Woolies, but mm-hmm. if you actually look at um, their, their announcements that they've made where they're locking in prices for six months, it's, it's not a good thing. It's pretty irresponsible. It, it is. I, th- I would have well, thought. Uh, for they're, me, they're, they're publicly yeah. traded companies. Yeah. I can't imagine that's in the best, um, in the best, uh, um, in the best. What's the word? Interest of the shareholders. No. Oh, it's it's probably yeah. let the 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 it, to a degree, but more so. Okay, the consumer's getting a great offer. Like as a shopper, absolutely, a hundred percent of us are. Um, is great. We know what our budget's going to be. We know what we're going to shop every week. Da da da. As a supplier, our costs are going up every day. <laughs> Does that mean so they say to their customers, "Hey yeah. guys, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna put we got a cap on price for the next yeah. six months, right?" Yes. That happens, and then you guys. Does that mean you guys are are, are held to account at the other end? Does well, that mean they, yeah, you, so ca- you can't put up your prices no, even if your costs rise? Uh, well, the the ridiculous. Yeah, minimum margins uh, have to be met. So <laughs> yeah. So and look, we, we we don't deal with Coles and Woolworths nationally. That's good. Um, 
not because we don't want to or because we do want to. It's just we don't, we're not in there. So we're, we're an independent and route trade business that yep. help. We, we, we go with the independents. That's yep. what we do. Yep. So, yep. Um, Is the product in there? Like, like do they sell nippies and that type of thing? Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah. They do. Um, we, we, we have some good some good ranging in certain states mm-hmm. um, with specific products, um, but there's nothing on a national level when it comes to Woolworths or Coles. Um, mm-hmm. I think there, there's probably a bit of exclusivity in that, which is nice as well. You know, we can we can grow the independence in states like Victoria and mm. New South Wales, and then keep the majors in SA happy. Yeah, yeah uh, and look, I just think that I just think that your margins would disappear. I just uh, think that I yeah. think that they would. Um, obviously, there's there's only a small there's only a um, there's a, a cap with what you guys can do re- yeah. regarding pricing, but um, you know, I think that. I think that the great thing about the Coles and Woolies mm. is those guys, especially during COVID, they actually supported a lot of the suppliers heavily. Yes. They did a spectacular job yeah. in paying people quickly, yeah. um, which I was, I was a big fan of. You know, yeah. we had a lot of people through the podcast and yeah. the alcohol suppliers, as well as the, um, as well as the, um, as well as all the, you know, all, yeah. the, all the food and beverage um, suppliers yeah. to the, yeah. to the big chains. Yeah. They got looked after, and they mm. their cash flow was helped oh, out. Yeah, I think I think um, they're still doing a great job for everybody. I just don't know how this 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 um this price cap on terms of like nothing changing price for six months. Going, I don't know. I, I, it's impossible. I'm like, not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I just I, I'm a bit. No, it's, uh, uh, let's yeah. face it's a, it. It's a it's a good thing for them to talk to their customers about. Yeah. It's a bad thing for you guys. It's, yeah, a, it's a bad thing for I, our supplier. It's not so much my ourselves, like our business or nippies in general. Like it's not bad there. It's just more there's there's already things disappearing from the shelf. I just feel like that's going to help the cause. Yeah, the yeah. shelf is. Um, I mean, and the quality of produce. Yeah. I mean, I if I buy fruit and veg, it's at the market or it's at a Foodworks or an IGA yes, because yeah. they've gotten, they got better fresh produce. Better offerings, yeah. The, um, the produce at Coles and Woolies from a fruit and veg perspective yeah. has, has really just as average, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I think it's, um, maybe it's not getting to the shelves as quick, but yeah, there's, um, <laughs> the quality's gone out of the toilet. Anyway, yeah. um, so, mate, um, what's next for you guys as a business? You obviously got, you know, if you guys, you got to constantly reinvent yourself, yep. as, you, as you as you know, in yeah. any business. But for you guys, you got a very traditional business with almost like a non-traditional distribution method, which I really like. Yeah. What's next? How do you go to the next level? Uh, or, next- or do you, or do you guys just hold and continue to grow your existing customers? Um, yeah, there's a, there's. there's- you kind of there's an element to both there's um you, you you've got more value in your existing customer base than you do in the customers that you don't it's that's just agreed yeah um it's always harder to, to grow someone that you've got than you don't so we we always look for new opportunities we work with our with our customer base we work with our mso's to, to look for those new trends what's an mso uh, so the pretty much the medium small operators so ah. you know the, the likes of the riches and the champions yep, yep, and the, yep. um any anyone that has a group of independents yeah riches where the community benefits that's that one yeah good family business yeah, that yeah. one so um that that there so we, we always work with them we we get uh good feedback in what's trending we get um an understanding of what their shoppers are looking for what offering we can adapt to we're very dynamic in the sense that we can kind of um we can switch on a product pretty quickly uh, if someone's got an idea, and mm-hmm. we don't, you know, we don't go on Facebook and scroll for ideas. But you know, <laughs> if we did that, we'd have a lot of failing products. But you, but, you know, you kind of get a you, yeah. you get a good idea of what of what's trending. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, 
well, yeah, with your model, yeah. I always think about things like the um, soy milk ten years ago, or, yeah. or oat milk recently, and yeah. all those type of things. You, yeah, you think about it, you're like, oh, you know, that's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. There's always um, there's also an element of uh, the smallest part of the market always screams the loudest. So you've got to be pretty careful in not going where the sounds coming from. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So, a, yeah. yeah. Trends are yeah. trends are hard because yeah. trends are trends should be data driven. Yeah. yeah, but I think they're they're very narrative driven too much. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I I think it, we we just kind of stick to what we know best, what we do the best, um, which is is drive a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, we we drive the Nippies brand, and I th- you know obviously that that will cap out at some point. There's only there's only so much population in this country that we can we can um push the product to, and at and that point that's when you kind of go okay now. It's, we transition. What's the next phase? Yep. We're, we're, yep. um, until then, there's there's plenty of business out there for the model that we have. It's just about how do we make it more dynamic enough? Mm. Um, how do we become more efficient? How, where, where is there more money to be made within the the resources we currently have? So um, that comes with time. And yep. if I if I was to look back five years ago at what we were putting in place then, um, we've pretty much achieved a hundred percent of what we were, what we were after to today. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah, know, and, and, and every year we're putting a five year plan in and, and, you know, putting new OKRs in place to um, kind of measure ourselves against our successes and our losses and, and go, all right, what worked, what didn't um, just because something didn't work doesn't mean it was a bad idea. Let's try and go it again and mm. try a different way to achieve it. Yeah. It might yeah. be, it might be execution as opposed to the, as opposed to the concept. Yeah, correct. Correct. So um, we're real methodical in that sense. Um, we, we take our time. We make sure that we're doing it right. Um, so we can always hit the, hit the bullseye as close to the first time as possible. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Mate. Thanks so much. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. Really good chat. Um, we've just done an hour pretty quickly. That's just, um, that's, that's incredible. So, um, mate, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate appreciate it. it. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into Product Hub. This episode was brought to you by PencilPay, the world's fastest credit application and payment software for product sellers and their wholesale customers. If you sell products on payment terms, check us out at www.pencilpay.com and start getting paid on time today. I'm your host, Tim Dimitriou. See you next time.